0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear.
2: Welcome to the Inside Carolina Podcast. John Siegley here with Gregory Hall, Ross Martin, and Greg Barnes. We are sponsored, as always, by John T-Shirt and JohnT-Shirt.com. It is our Media Monday Podcast, guys. We did not have a PC last week to talk about, so we took that week off, but we are back better than ever. Hope you guys enjoyed the break. Let's just kind of jump right into the thoughts about this last weekend. Tommy Buck and Jason already kind of covered this in their podcast, but I wanted to get Greg, your thoughts in particular, seeing uh, how the ACC Coastal is shaking out right now, given the results from this past weekend, do you think that this is something that anybody anticipated going into the football season?
3: Well, in terms of the Coastal being a a mess, yes. I I think a lot of people kind of expected that. Um, I mean, Virginia was the preseason favorite to to win the league or win the, the division, at least. And you know, I would still say at this point in time, Virginia is still the favorite. But clearly, that is that is not a team that is a your top twenty-five caliber team at this point in time. And they have been, but did not take care of business against Notre Dame when, when they had a chance there early in the second half. Had some bad turnovers, and then just were inept. I mean, really, offensively against, against Miami. And so, if that's your front runner, they're they're at four and two, two and one in the conference. Uh, Duke and Pitt. I mean yeah, the crazy thing is I think Pitt, even though they lost some, some big pieces defensively along that defensive line uh to begin the year, they're in pretty good shape in terms of you know kind of how their schedule shapes up. They get North Carolina uh, up there at Hines Field and uh Pitt played Penn State very close. It was a very competitive game. Virginia took care of business, you know, in the the opener. Uh but yeah, I think Pitt's in the mix. You've really got four teams. That are, that are alive and well with Duke, Virginia, Carolina, and Pitt. And uh, we'll get to see exactly how how those teams fare out and whoever takes advantage. I, I think one of the, the interesting things to me about what Mac Brown talked about today is he drove home the fact that except for maybe the elite of the elites, you never know how these guys are going to come out and perform. And the talent levels are so equitable. Uh, that you know, if somebody comes out and has a little bit more motion and maybe forces an extra turnover, any of these teams can win, and uh, that that gives you confidence. One that you can go out and win any game because you can. But it's also a matter of if you don't play to your best, then there are going to be some issues.
2: Ross, how do you think it'll impact the UNC psyche right now, knowing that they do control their own destiny in the Coastal Division? Yeah, I mean,
0: I don't know individual games. You're gonna play any harder, but I think they realize that everything's in front of them. Uh, as Mac Brown said, they control their own destiny, um, and they have a chance to do some special things this season. And, and I think just kind of if players are looking at games and stuff, they realize that all these teams are beatable, and every game they enter uh, is winnable. Now, even the Virginia game, which, which seemed like the toughest game on the schedule, now it probably won't be much more than a three or four or five point spread there, and they just lost their their best defender. And Bryce Hall is out for the season. So, yeah, I mean, the, the schedule schedule was wide open. I, think, I don't think State's that good. Um, you know, it seems like maybe Miami's getting better. They already beat them. South Carolina's already getting better. They already beat them. So, um, Pittsburgh, Duke, Virginia, Virginia Tech, State, Mercer, are all winnable games. That's It's got to be kind of uplifting, uh, uplifting knowing you can enter these games and come up with a W if you, if you put forward a good effort and, and play your hardest, play your best. And then Gregory, real quick,
2: have there been any surprise teams so far this season to you in either the coastal or the Atlantic division?
1: Um uh, I mean I think to everybody, I think Wake Forest was a big, big surprise early. Um, but obviously they just had a absolute offensive shootout with uh with Louisville. Um and kind of a counter to Ross's point is looking at the schedule. Yeah, every every game is definitely winnable. Um, but I think most of the ACC games are losable as well as we saw this weekend with two top twenty matchup, not top twenty matchups, but two top twenty teams, Wake Forest and UVA, uh, losing um, even the, to kind of open up the coastal. So I think, like Mac mentioned today, seeing teams that UNC's be in like South Carolina um, upsetting Georgia is obviously giving them confidence. But seeing teams that they lost to, well, lost to with Wake Forest losing, might, might kind of do the, do the opposite. Um, so I think it can excite, but they also kind of need to realize that those games can be
0: just as, as losable as, as they are winnable. I think UNC is a surprise team, and I think, uh, I think Louisville is also a big-time surprise team, maybe Louisville more so than anybody. Yeah,
2: Louisville was the one that I had in mind as kind of being a surprise. They were a big unknown, but so far they really kind of put their season on a right track by beating Wake. So turning to the press conference today, obviously it was coming off of the bye week. So, Greg, what was the overall mood like? Was Coach Brown, did he kind of seem like uh, relaxed or was it basically the same as what you guys have seen in every other press conference this season?
3: No, I think. I think not only for Mac Brown and Phil Longo and Jay Bateman, but I think also with the uh, the reporters there and the SID staff. I think everybody was relaxed and refreshed because uh, it it was a grind of the first six weeks, and even you know, when we were talking with the players and Mac Brown down in Atlanta after that win over Georgia Tech, you could tell they were tired, not just for the game, but you know, exhausted because of how everything has played out, uh, and you know, even for for media, we kept talking about it. It'd be nice to have one game that was just a blowout. So you're not stressed at the end of the game, trying to get a story out, trying to get everything together. You can actually have everything kind of in place going into the final five minutes. We really didn't have that luxury. And so that adds a little bit of stress to it. Uh, But Mac, especially, it seemed like he was really able to kind of enjoy the down week and they're still, you know, still hard at it working wise, but you didn't have the the weekly buildup where you you, know, you kind of take a break, take a breather, Sunday morning, you go through corrections, you have the day off Monday, at least the players do, and then you gradually build back up. And so for, for one week there, while you're still working hard, you're still trying to get better, you don't have that, that kind of carrot at the end of the week. And then instead of having to prepare for a game, they tasked the players with saying, look, watch some of these games, right? Watch Virginia-Miami. Watch South Carolina Georgia. Think about how you would mentally prepare for those games. Think about you what we could have done better, what we, we did you know, not as well, all these types of things to kind of just you look at it as a fan but also understand it of, of why things happen the way they do. And I, I think that more than anything kind of rang clear to me is that they, they are relaxed. We'll, have to, you know, we'll, we'll talk to the players later this week. But the coaches seemed relaxed and refreshed and ready to get back after it.
1: Back even joked that uh, he enjoyed talking with us today, although that might not have been the case uh, earlier in the year. Might not have been looking forward to it, but he definitely, he said he enjoyed it today. So that was kind of shows to what Greg said about how uh, it was a, a little
2: more relaxed feeling in there today. The two major topics that I felt that Coach Brown talked about were depth and injuries. Let's go ahead and talk first about depth. And Ross, the quote, that stood out to me which is listed on the full max pc live updates that's on the Tarpit premium message board was how he said that he was disappointed that the team was not able to really put georgia tech away early so that way they could play their backup guys and also he mentioned that he really does not want players redshirting if they are capable of seeing the field that's something that you know some coaches maybe have a different philosophy on so looking at the depth comments by coach brown how big of a focus do you think
0: that is for him at this point in the season yeah i mean the game's been so close that he hasn't been able to get a lot of the players experience the players that would provide depth to the second string and third string guys and that's that's a little bit of a concern because when you do need them they haven't played as much because they've been in close games they've had to play their starters um, but, I mean, guys have had to step in with the injuries, especially in the secondary. Uh, of course, we broke the news that Trey Morrison was hurt uh, in the Georgia Tech game and was out for a pretty long time. I don't know how long, but they're taking a hit in the secondary with Patrice Renee and Trey Morrison out and Miles Wolfork out. It does seem like Wolfork will be a guy who can come back at some point in the season, but that depth is being tested there in the secondary with Storm Duck, Obi. Agbuna is going to be playing some along with um, Greg Ross, who has some experience there. So that depth's getting tested. They got tested in the offensive line as well. So they've had to kind of do what they can with players um, at times during injuries, but it does seem like they're getting a little more healthy. Jason Strowbridge is back to 100%, it seems. Um, Charlie Heck has kind of resolved the, the broken hand. So the list of injuries is a lot shorter now, except in the secondary where it's taking a hard hit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I asked them about the redshirt question. And if they need a player, they're going to play him. Otherwise, they're obviously going to try to redshirt to build some experience and depth for next year and, and use that four-game rule as well. But if they think a player can help them with special teams and they need to play him for in certain areas to provide rest for the starters, they will. And that's a philosophy I think a lot of coaches take. Um, no reason to, to prepare for the future. Win while you can.
2: Let's talk about the injuries a little bit more here in just a second, but let's talk about our friends at Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. They're your place to go for Carolina gear. There's only a few home games remaining in football season, but basketball season will be starting soon. So if you're going to be in Chapel Hill for those games, make sure that you swing by Franklin Street. Go see Giant T-Shirt. They have been in business for decades. They are locally and alumni owned. They have the very best customer service, and they have everything that you can need for the Tar Heel fan in your family. If you can't make it to Chapel Hill you can always shop online at giantt-shirt.com and if you are an inside Carolina premium subscriber you get 10% off of your orders either there in store or on giantt-shirt.com you can get that 10% off code from the premium message boards so giant t-shirt giantt-shirt.com your place to go for Carolina gear. So speaking about the injuries, Ross just mentioned two of the big ones there with Heck and Strobridge being back healthy now. So Gregory, moving forward, how do you think the team will be responding to those guys returning? Because Coach Brown mentioned that the offensive line was one of two position groups that helped improve. So I'd imagine that getting those guys back for this key run of Coastal Games, is an obvious positive, right? Most definitely.
1: Earlier in the season when uh, Miles Wolfolk went down, Um, we obviously asked Jay Bateman about the young guys um, and how they were going to play specifically uh, Cam Cam Kelly. And he was talking about how his DBs in the secondary, um, when those guys get older and get more experience and they got some recruits coming in, that his uh, his secondary is going to be pretty good down the road. And he was referring to next year um, or even more down the future. Uh, but now those young guys are having to play now. So I think getting Don Chapman in there. Um, obviously, he played against against Georgia Tech and had his first career uh, interception, eight eight plays into the game. Um, obviously, Jay Bateman today said he still could have played better, but I mean, he's his first first really his first time getting in there. Um, so I think, yeah, the young guys haven't had to play. Or haven't been able to play as many snaps because there have been close games. Um, the defense couldn't stop Georgia Tech as in the second half as much as the first half, which uh, prevented getting those young guys in there. Um, but they—they they, I feel like they understand now that okay, there's four starters in the secondary hurt. Um, their starters hurt on, um, well, Nick Foligno on offense, but then you've got, um, Jason Strobridge is supposed to be a hundred percent healthy, but I don't know, maybe that could tweak again. So I think they are at this point, especially over the bye week they understand that they're going to have to play. Um, they're ready to play, um, the bi-week, a lot of a bi-week focus was that to get those young guys reps without beating, without beating up their bodies and, um, Mac today, uh, stress that they were able to accomplish that. So moving forward, the young guys are definitely going to be important because that's who's got to play and that's who's going to play. So it's not about them being scared about playing and not being prepared because they know they're going to be needed and they're going to be, be getting in there for sure.
2: Yeah, talking with the coordinators, Greg, were there any specific quotes that either Jay Bateman or Phil Longo mentioned about their preparation for Virginia Tech and how they're having to adjust their squads accordingly?
3: Well, just the, the typical Bud Foster praise from, from Phil Longo. Um, you know one thing that one thing that he does so well and has done for so long up there in Blacksburg is that Bud likes to to move a lot of pieces around, uh, he started using kind of that that hybrid nickel roll uh, long before it became the norm years ago, and that's one of the reasons that Virginia Tech was so good defensively for so long because he was able to, to mix and match. When the spread was really coming into existence, and you know they've they've struggled a bit this year. I think there's a lot that goes into that. I think he's got some talented pieces, but we all know kind of that the issues that uh, Fuentes had up there in terms of culture and locker room and all those kinds of things. And so they have not you know performed as well as what a lot of people thought. But Bud Foster is still a great coach, and he knows how to scheme. And if the players come prepared for this game, meaning that the hokies uh, they they can pose some problems and that's that's one of the things that you know, Sam Howe's got to be really careful about because sam's been been great this this year uh, and so what what does it take to kind of trip him up and a couple of things that we know through six games is that uh, he's he's been uh, incredible when he's been kept clean, which means you've got to be able to bring some pressure on him. He's done pretty well against blitzes, he's been, you know, okay against against pressure, but clearly there's a big separation between when he's kept clean and when he's under pressure. And as he gets more experience, that that gap will, will close, as it does with all good players. But that's still one area where you can affect him is by getting pressure on that pocket. And so, you know, Bud Foster's going to have to do that. For Virginia Tech to have a chance to win this game, they're going to have to play pretty good defensively, maybe try to force some turnovers. And so that's the key thing for Sam is to understand pressure is going to be coming and also to to really understand his keys you know, in coverage because Bud's going to show some things and then do something else, uh, not unlike what, what Jay Bateman likes to do.
2: Yeah, I definitely see a lot of similarities in how Bateman and Bud Foster like to attack offenses. But then as far as Jay Bateman's defense, Ross, you wrote a piece on Inside Carolina talking about how the defense is having to do some cross-training just given the injuries that they have sustained. But they're going up against a Virginia Tech program that has not been very successful throwing the ball this year. So did Jay Bateman say anything specific about how they could be attacking a potential vulnerability there up in Blacksburg?
0: I mean, I don't know if he didn't speak on that, but, I mean, the cross-training you mentioned, you're going to see DeAndre Hollins who was playing – more uh, nickel uh, he actually hadn't been playing too much he's in to bit time at corner Javon Terry who made the switch from safety to corners be playing uh, more corner now so they're bringing in some guys to to replace Trey Morrison there which I think is a huge hit um, but overall Bateman didn't, didn't seem too worried he's always pretty cool and confident with the media um, and you know it is what it is injuries happen and you got to deal with it you, you would think they Bring over the safeties, kind of help on some pass situations, and can shift their coverage in certain ways. But as he said, whenever you kind of scheme to help one side or the other, or one player or the other, you you leave other areas vulnerable. So that's an important thing to consider um, when you when you think about them helping out one corner um, or the other. So, but um, yeah, I mean, it seems like I, don't know, I haven't watched Virginia Tech too much, but they got a new quarterback in Hinton Hooker. Might be something to take advantage of there. His what third or second or third game starting will be this weekend. So that's going to be something I'm sure that um, Bateman's scheming with, and you know, Hinton Hooker's big, strong guy is a is a guy that Carolina looked at a little bit out of Dudley High School. Um, so I'm sure they'll try to harass him and bring bring pressure from different directions, like like they've done with all quarterbacks, and had pretty good success with it, especially against um, the Clemson QB Trevor Lawrence. And then the atmosphere up there in Blacksburg—it's something that younger
2: players could be intimidated by, but it was another pretty constant theme that I was getting from the press conference today that by this point in the season, the coaches really don't consider the freshmen and even redshirt freshmen to be rookies in the sense anymore that they have the experience. So Gregory, the fact that it is such a tough road environment up there in Blacksburg, how big of a factor do you think that really will be on UNC's young players this weekend? I don't really think it'll be that that much of an issue. They obviously haven't
1: played on the road in front of a packed crowd yet um as um last week with the with virginia tech whiteout on thursday and different because it's thursday night but there uh there weren't that many people there maybe it's different for carolina um but if it's what's been going on in blacksburg as far as attendance i don't i don't really think it'll be uh, that big an issue and even if it was sold out they're used to being in front of sold out crowds mac brown said today that UNC is one of 9 one of 9 schools that it had has had 100% attendance at home games. So I think they're they're used to it. They expect it at this point. And then yeah, like like uh like you said, they're not really seen as freshmen anymore. And they're confident um talking about how the secondary is young. Jay Bateman was just kind of calmly,
0: we're going to be fine. Um so, so yeah, <laughs> I'd be interested to see what the crowd looks like. Uh, there was there. nobody there. You no, know, the they—they right. haven't had the Not, best season. Go ahead, Greg.
3: No, I think you're right, and I think that's that's the benefit to this team. The South Carolina game—I know South Carolina had more fans there than North Carolina did—but that was still a, you know, a pretty good crowd. But it was a neutral game for sure. You know, at Wake really wasn't that that challenging. I mean, that was basically half North Carolina fans there, and then there was nobody at Georgia Tech. And Pittsburgh never draws a big crowd with that being a Thursday night game. That'll be a little bit different. What we know though, is that NC state is going to be a madhouse and that's always a tough place to play. So this is really kind of the last opportunity for, for these uh, young players in North Carolina to experience a very good crowd. Um, and so I, yeah, I agree. I'm curious to see, you know, do the Hokies, does that, that fan base come out to support the team. And does that give North Carolina a taste? Because, if, if it's uh, as, as sparse as, as we've seen it, it seems like in, in recent weeks, the North Carolinas going to be going into the into uh, Carter Finley Stadium at the end of the year. Uh, you really unprepared for like a legitimate road test. That's one of the things about with the ACC kind of being down this year and the way the schedule works out. So they've they've had some big crowds in front of the home crowd, right? I mean that that helps. But you know, playing at Carter-Finley, especially you know, that weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, I mean, those fans are, are nasty, and it's, it's it's tough to play there. And so I think, uh, I think a good crowd in Lane Stadium would actually be beneficial for UNC.
2: It does remain to be seen exactly how the Hokie fans respond, like you guys just mentioned. And even NC State, in their Thursday night game against Syracuse, the crowd was pretty sparse, especially late in that game. So – I think it just goes back to what you said, Greg. The ACC is just kind of down right now. And fortunately, UNC has been able to capitalize and their home crowds have been very strong. Let's go ahead and take our last commercial break. And when we get back, we'll go ahead and wrap up the Media Monday podcast. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this.
3: Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: And we're back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Gregory Hall, Russ Martin, and Greg Barnes. So talking about an issue that the offense could have against Virginia Tech, it's the dropped passes. And I felt that this was Kind of a a lighthearted quote, but the coaches were probably very serious when they said it. Greg, what did Coach Brown say as to how wide receivers coach Lonnie Galloway is addressing the dropped pass issue?
3: Well, it was lighthearted in kind of the way he packaged it, uh, but I, I think it's an issue. I, I think the fact that you've got guys like De'Ami Brown and Daz Newsome who are your key wide receivers, and yet they're number one and number two in the ACC in dropped passes – that's a problem, um, and and looking some at, at some of Sam Howe's stats, he's completing. You know, as I mentioned earlier, he's played, he's been pretty good. You know, without pressure in those opportunities, I think he's completing like sixty four percent of his passes, and that includes thirteen drops. And so, if you you add those drops and turn them into completions, and several of those would be long touchdowns, you know, his numbers look even better. And the fact that even this weekend the wide receivers were still dropping passes. That's a problem. And we've seen De'Ami Brown especially make some circus catches. So we know he's got the talent and that he's got the ability to, to make some of these difficult hauls. But for whatever reason, the focus hasn't been there. And so what they're going to have to do and what Lonnie Galloway's really focused on this weekend, is one thing that he, he talked about, was using tennis balls. The idea being, and this is kind of, I think, what you're getting at. Mac Brown talked about when you're putting, if you're going to putting green, a lot of times they'll give you a, a hole in the middle of the putting green that's really about the diameter of a golf ball. For in order for you to actually make that putt, it's got to be dead center or else it's not going to go in. The idea being that after you putt to that hole a couple of times, you go to a normal size hole and it's like, whoa, this is like a big hole. I can make this for sure. And so kind of the same principle applies is if, you, if you're able to catch tennis balls, which clearly are a lot smaller than footballs, once you see a football coming at you, you can apply the same focus and it should be a lot easier to catch. So I think at this point in time, the fact that Lonnie Galloway is using tennis balls, uh, which is something that you hear, you know, like middle school teams do, that really gets down, you know, it's, it's not a matter of talent. It's a matter of focus and guys really making sure that they catch the ball first before looking to score. I and mean, that was the issue with De'Ami on that, that one touchdown pass is if he just watches the ball into his hands, he steps into the end zone for an easy score, but he's looking at the end zone before he actually catches the pass. Uh, and you, you can't have those things happen at this level.
2: I'm going to make a movie reference and uh, tell me if you guys get it or not, talking about using things in order to improve skills. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Anyone get that?
3: That would be dodgeball.
2: Great movie. So, uh, Ross, my next question for you is going to be this. Talking about the focus of the team, knowing that Virginia Tech did just pull off the upset against Miami and that they had this bye week to kind of sit there and collect their thoughts. Just do you expect them to be able to come out and keep up the high mentality and high level of energy that they did against Georgia Tech? Or are you a little bit concerned that they may revert back to how they were in the game against Wake Forest?
0: Yeah, I mean, this, this team has had some trouble kind of getting up for games. Um, App State, Wake Forest, just slow start. So, And with a young team, that's certainly a concern. Um, it shouldn't be I don't, at this level of, of athletic prowess these guys should should know that they come out for every minute of every quarter but um this this season has been a playing catch up especially in the fourth quarter so there has not been much evidence other than george tech game that this team can come out from the get-go so this will be a good test especially on the road you'd like to see them get up but um and they should like we said like you opened up with um you know they should think that this is a very important game for the coastal and for the the future of of this season so they should come out jacked up. It should be good atmosphere and they should play, you know, up to that atmosphere. And so we'll see on Saturday, but um, you know, this is a, I think Virginia tech is, is up there as one of the main rivals for UNC football because of the recruiting competition um, over the last five or six years, they've competed for a lot of recruits in Virginia and in North Carolina, both recruit uh, Greensboro heavily. And of course the tidewater area of Virginia tech. So yeah, I mean, they should get, I mean, Players should get up for games. That's how it should be, and you shouldn't have to do them. Roy Williams always talks about, you know, playing with that sense of urgency for every minute of every half, and and that should be the case with football as well. Yeah, I mean, UNC has only beaten Virginia Tech three times
1: since two thousand four, and they've lost three the last three in a row. So only only fifth year senior guys on this team, uh, like Aaron Crawford, have actually beaten Virginia Tech. So if uh, if that's not Motivation to come out ready to play after a bye week. I'm not really sure what what else they what else they need. Uh, so if they don't come out ready, then I think this is an even larger that would be even a larger concern for this game than it was for uh, Wake Forest
2: or, or App. Yeah, that's a good point, Gregory. And then I want to go ahead and close it out with your thoughts on the recruiting talk because Mac Brown also mentioned that a couple of times. Talked about the transfer porter uh, portal and then specifically about how the one-game things that fans can kind of get freaked out about. He had some thoughts about the recruiting, so let's just go ahead and wrap it up with that. What did Coach Brown have to say in the press conference, Gregory, on those topics?
1: Yeah, he he said that he doesn't think a game like against Virginia Tech where, they like Ross mentioned, they are recruiting rivals. They recruit the same areas. Um, he doesn't think a, a single game – matters immediately uh because the recruits that they have already have committed um are most likely committed and are going to stay committed with the approaching early signing date um the ones that they're not sure about they don't really know if it affects them because they haven't told um the teams where they where they want to go anyway um, But he says it's possible that it could be it could affect it uh, a couple years down the road um, I mean, as you look at as you look at the head to head, like I said, Virginia Tech's won all but three contests since 2004. That might matter if uh, UNC loses this one, it's like, wow, for some reason Virginia Tech has UNC's number, they might look into why that is. but I mean, if there's a recruit right now uh, that's maybe that's committed to UNC that's on the fence and then they see Virginia Tech beat them, it's probably not going to lean that recruit to choosing Virginia Tech over UNC over one game was the gist of what Matt had to say about that
0: yeah I think that's a a good point and honestly a question we talk about a lot on the football recruiting podcast and I don't think players see that one game being like man whoever wins this game I'm gonna go there they're picking they're picking a school based on a lot of factors academics the direction of the program the coaching staff their relationship with the Um, position coach, um, feelings and mood and atmosphere when they get to the school. So a lot of people think like, oh, man, UNC lost to Appalachian State. That's really going to hurt recruiting. I don't think the recruits kind of look at it that way. They look more as, man, UNC's on the rise. They've had momentum here. They've got a new coaching staff. That's probably going to be the best pick versus maybe a program that's on on more of a downwards tick. So when you look at the Virginia Tech game, you know, these are two teams that compete in the Coastal and, a little kind of going in different directions right now, uh, depending on how the rest of the season works out for Justin Fuente and Virginia tech. So that's kind of the more broader look is I think what recruits look at. Um, But certainly, you know, if UNC wins two or three games, then a recruit, maybe a 2021, 22 kid looks at it. And it's like, wow, I mean, UNC is, is definitely heading the right direction. Whereas Virginia tech has lost a couple here. They're going the wrong direction. So for those reasons, I think it is important um, for those recruiting battles. All right. Good deal, guys. Well, we can go ahead and wrap this up, but uh, since Ross and Gregory
2: talked, I just wanted to touch base with Mr. Greg (laughs) Barnes to see if you had any parting thoughts, or if not, we can go ahead and uh, call this one to a close.
3: I think Ross and Gregory did a fantastic job in in concluding all the relevant details from today's festivities. Thank you so much.
1: The last thing Greg definitely should have said in this podcast was that's
2: dodgeball. Oh, I like it. All right, guys. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. We'll be back next week after the post-Virginia Tech press conference. So look forward to speaking with you guys then. Have a great rest of the week. See you, John. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Thanks,
1: John. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel
2: gear purchase.